<laughs> well, thank you so much for um, joining me, beautiful ladies. This is so cool. I have never done four people at a time online. Mm -hmm. so this is a treat for me. So we've got Haley Cooper, Michael Blind, and Rhea Martinson who joined us today. And we're exci I'm excited because Woo! we're going to talk about Giving Day success. And um, this all started last week. You all participated, your organizations participated in the Help Them Home OC, which was um, like beyond successful. I think that was yes. the first. So first of all, congratulations. Round of applause. Yes. Um, and so I was speaking with Haley and in preparation of Giving Tuesday Now, which is next week, I thought what better time to bring um, a couple people on to, to talk about what you attributed to your success and also give some tips and tricks and, um, and just kind of give people this uplifting feeling of, hey, there's people that still want to give because mm -hmm. I think people were worried, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or people have been worried about donations and fundraisers and here you all knocked it out of the park three, four, five times. So congrats, congrats. Um, so let's start off with, uh, go around and introduce yourselves and, um, and, and where you work. Okay, so let's uh, start with Haley. Hi everyone, I'm Haley Cooper and I am a certified fundraising executive as well as the development manager at His House, which is a 54 bed transitional housing program in Placentia. Thank you, thank you. Michael? Hi, everyone. My name is Michael Blindy, and I am the development manager at Pathways of Hope. Rhea? Hi, guys. I'm Rhea Martinson, and I'm the development manager at Thomas House Family Shelter in Garden Grove. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so now let's just go back and tell us a little bit more about your organization, just so those who are listening. The theme of Help Them Home was... Um, the homeless and shelter population, correct? Okay. Yeah. okay tell us a little bit more uh, high level about uh, the organizations that you that you work for. Sure, so His House has been around for 30 years and we provide transitional housing and supportive services to the homeless men, women, and children in Northern Orange County. Um, in our shelter, we focus mainly on homeless families um, and we provide four to six months of transitional shelter, case management, counseling, um, job assistance, and um, financial support. We also have an outreach program to help families that don't qualify for our program because we want to make sure that no family has to spend a night, an extra night on the street. So we work with the collaborative called the Family Solutions Collaborative to get families housed as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Michael? All right, so Pathways of Hope is celebrating our uh, fifth, or excuse me, 45th anniversary this year, which is awesome. And our mission as an agency is to lead a community effort to provide access to food, shelter, and housing to those who are experiencing hunger and homelessness in North Orange County. Um, our agency has a variety of housing programs, um, including shelter, rapid rehousing, permanent supportive housing, affordable housing. We also um, offer prevention programs, which is what our Giving Day fundraiser was very much focused on, um, as well as diversion. And that encompasses um, the housing programs we offer. And then we operate a food bank um, to serve uh, families and individuals who are experiencing food insecurity in North Orange County. Thank you, thank you. Rhea? 
Okay. Hi. So as I mentioned, um, I am coming from Thomas House Family Shelter, and we are a homeless shelter for families with children in Garden Grove. Our main objective is to house these um, families while also providing the resources to make them empowered and um, going towards long-term self-sufficiency. Um, we have 24 units right now, one bedroom, two bedroom, and three bedroom apartments. Um, so we are able to service those larger families. Um, when a family does come in, they do have access to counseling, therapy, and also parenting and life skill classes to make sure that they get back on their feet. Um, Thomas House has been around for over 30 years as well, and we're so excited um, that this was our fourth giving day that we participated in. And so seeing that enormous um, amount of collaboration between all these organizations was just an amazing thing to see. That's great. And mm -hmm. so it was your fourth, um, Haley and Michael, was this uh, your first time or was this a third time for Michael? Okay, Haley? This is, my, this is his house's uh, third time. Got it, okay, so yeah. been here before, great. Mm -hmm. um, so because we are where we are and might as well ask, because I know some people are, um, when it comes to the nonprofit sector, we all know what we do and how we do it. But for those who might see this that don't know a lot about the shelter world and don't know a lot about how um, COVID is affecting them, you wanna share just a little bit of how COVID has affected your current operations? Because I know shelters are still fully operational and it, you, people have to still live. So I'm sure your staff are considered to be on the front lines as well. So um, take a little bit of time of how you know, COVID has affected you guys. And let's start with, uh, start with Michael this time. Sure. Um, so uh, Pathways of Hope is very fortunate. Our uh, shelter program is set up in such a way that each individual household has their own unit, which has just been very, very, very helpful when you're dealing with a disease as contagious as uh, COVID-19 and just ensuring that we're able to really truly separate each individual household. And so we have stabilized our shelter program um, and really just um, sort of put a pause on things. So really our families are, who are in shelter when this all kind of exploded are still in shelter. We put up a, a holding pattern sort of is what we're working at for shelter. But the areas of our agency that were really um, heavily, heavily impacted by the COVID-19 outbreak have been our food bank and our prevention program. Um, as you can imagine, I mean, we all saw and experienced empty shelves in, in grocery stores, um, the panic that was set off by all of this, um, it, it has um, ripple, ripple effects in many ways. And so um, our agency went from serving approximately 30 households per day at our food program to serving well over 100 households per day, um, all while simultaneously shifting our model to move from a client choice model where our clients used to be able to come in and, and shop for food. And it's a great way to provide dignity to the people we serve. But when you are striving to do everything possible to limit exposure for your staff, your volunteers, and your clients, um, we opted to operate uh, a bagged food program. So while simultaneously changing our model, we also had to change up, you know, to address the, the huge number of people who are seeking services from us. Um, and then the other program that was has been highly impacted is our prevention program. Um, with so many 
people experiencing job loss, job insecurity, um, illnesses of, of themselves and their family. Um, there are so many more people who are at risk of becoming homeless. And so our agency is highly dedicated to ensuring that we do everything we can to stop homelessness before it starts, um, particularly you know, with the huge increase in need that we're seeing at this time. Um, so those are uh, kind of the two programs that have been most heavily impacted um, by the outbreak and the way that we are striving to um, respond to the huge increase in need we're seeing in our North Orange County community. Wow, thank you. Yeah, you know, you brought up a good point about when everyone went to the market and started, in my opinion, hoarding <laughs> things that probably didn't, they didn't need, but you know, the panic, like you said, the panic set in. Not thinking about how that trickles down to your work. And so you also have to feed, I mean, you're most vulnerable, right? The, they're the most vulnerable, but then this influx of you getting more clients because of that. So uh, not a lot of people realize that there's other food banks or or food offering programs outside of Second Harvest and outside of um, Capo C. So thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, Rhea. Yeah. So similar to what Michael had mentioned, we are seeing a huge um, increase in um, the need for our services. Uh, about half of our families, adults, have lost their jobs or has significant reducing their um, hours. So a lot of them are, are at home. Um, a lot of our programs and counseling and therapy sessions did have to go to being virtual or telecommuting now. So we did have to move, we did have to shift that entire um, side of our programs to the telecommuting front. Um, we're a staff of seven, for, so we're really little. So um, all of us are working primarily from home, but our executive director is at the shelter almost every day, making sure our families um, have food, have all the essentials that they need. Um, COVID is really impacting us because we are seeing our expenses increase while our funding decrease. Um, the families who already had parenting issues coming into the shelter are all of a sudden faced with the same things that, as a lot of parents are facing, which is kids at home, responsible of, of homeschooling, technology. And those were things that they were not equipped with. So for us, it was really hard um, finding the facility needs, like making sure all of our families had the right internet to be able to have um, access to their classrooms, that all our families still had enough food, even more food. Um, and we even saw a lot of our graduate families. So after about two years, a family can graduate out of Thomas House, but we don't let them graduate unless they have permanent housing and a, and a sufficient increase in their income and career. But now we're seeing a lot of those graduates come back for groceries, for those essentials. So to echo Michael's words, it's just, it, it just was a ripple effect. Um, but the littlest things that we took for granted, you know, when people were hoarding those shelves, we had to shop for 24 units. And, you know, what were we supposed to do when they're only allowing us to get one toilet, you know, paper package, you know? So it really was a tough, it really is a tough transition for us. However, the silver lining is we are seeing a lot more collaborations between the nonprofits. Um, we have partnered up with a lot of food banks who are donating food to us. Um, a lot of our supporters are reaching out to us asking if we are okay. So it's been really nice to see people's hearts really out there now and to really cultivate those relationships that we could always depend on. So we're really baking on that and that's um, how we 
um, had our giving day to be so successful was through collaborations and the support of our of our um, donor base that we have today. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. I think this whole ripple effect, right, of how it, it slowly reaches the those who actually still need more need. <laughs> um, and then it, I like how, well, I'm appreciative that you said how the need goes up, but the funding comes down. And I think this is why it's so important for us as nonprofits to, to advocate for ourselves more and to speak up that um, yeah, right now frontline is nurses and doctors and while yes, it's important to save small businesses as well, there's still small businesses that are trying to survive and serve the needs of the community. And nonprofits are, like yourselves are small businesses that are that are serving. And it's hard to to let go staff when your need is growing. So I think right. that's a very important case to make. So thank you, uh, Haley. Sure. So I kind of echo what um, both those ladies said, um, and it, it really is amazing about the collaboration and the outpouring of kindness and generosity in the community. I will say people are looking to give back. They don't necessarily know how. And so that's where us as nonprofits come in to help facilitate um, them in the direction to give back in a meaningful way. We have, so we're a 54 bed shelter and each family has their own room. And right now the families are kind of confined to their room. They do have a shared um, kitchen space and we have had people who have come in and donated meals, which has really been nice to have prepared meals for the families. Um, but it has impacted them because a lot of them don't have the computer literacy skills that we have. Um, and so working with technology with their kids, mm -hmm. um, not having childcare for their kids, um, losing their jobs. I mean, we had someone who graduated from our program. She lost her job. Her dad um, was supposed to help pay for her first month's rent. He lost his job and she was really ashamed and embarrassed. And so she lived in her car for a week. And then she was entered into the Family Solutions Collaborative and they contacted us and um, we were able to welcome her with open arms and back into our shelter. But more than financially, yes, it has impacted them in our shelter, but they don't have to pay rent right now. Um, but the crux of our program is they usually are saving to move into their own homes. And so right now they don't really have that income. So they might be in our shelter for a little longer, which is fine. But it really has been impacting their mental health. Um, if you can imagine, you know, it's affecting all of our mental health, being confined to our own houses and our rooms and whatever. Um, but they were working so hard towards a goal and then all of a sudden stopped. And now they have to go back to square one and work towards that goal again. And so just their dignity and their self-worth and their value has been affected. Um, and some trauma has been coming back because of the financial um it, the financial situation that they're in, um, knowing that they do have to still provide for their kids, but there's some um, barriers there. We've also had a huge um, increase in calls to our um, intake line, as well as to our housing navigators. Um, they've been working a lot to prevent families from becoming homeless. And that's why um, this day was so crucial and so timely because we wanted to raise money to be able to prevent people from becoming homeless by providing housing, financial and food and employment assistance so that we can supplement any needs that they might have so that they can really focus on paying their rent. That's great. Thank you, Haley. I and I like how you brought up the mental health because um, I, 
I have a husband and two little kids and I have a whole house for us to spread out. I can't imagine sharing a room um, with the family and trying to also take care of school, maybe work. Uh, you know, if they have a job, both my husband and I work. So it definitely um, meditation and breathing is important when you're trying to <laughs> work through everything. So um, hearing how some of the families have to adjust um, accordingly and also adjust to the programming that you have to change up to is uh, can be very, very difficult. And, um, you know, patience has a, a, the definition of patience is, is totally new um, for me. It's definitely a transition. So thank you all for the work that you're doing. Thank you for, um, it's a hard and sometimes very overlooked job working in the sector. Um, and I'm sure your staff and your case managers and therapists um, I, I come from a background of human services and counseling, so I've got friends in the field that do that case management and social work type work. And um, it can be the, that kind of an invisible job that people don't really acknowledge is there because um, it's hard to measure what you all are doing. Right? It's very, very hard to measure the effects of your success when it's there. Um, but telling that story, I knew was difficult. Thank you for what you guys are doing. Okay, let's talk about help them home. Um, so let's. Uh, what what it what what is help them home OC and where did it come from? How did you all get connected? There's, I know there was 18 of you total. I just got three of you today, but um, let's uh, start there. So Rhea, you're going to give us a little recap. Go ahead. Sure. Um, the help them home giving day was actually started about I want to say four or five years ago. And it actually started more of this different nonprofits in one giving day. Um, and what they realized that um, OCCF needed it to be sector specific. And that's where the different sectors and different helping um, giving days came about. So there's like a workforce um, giving, giving day, there's um, a youth development giving day, and then there's our giving day, the Help Them Home OC giving day, which is the largest giving day um, for OCCF, and it's most successful. Uh, we actually added one organization about two weeks before giving day, and so we actually had a collaborative effort of 19 organizations working together. Um, and it's basically a day um, to really stress the need for giving and it's to showcase the collaboration, um, how collaboration can work to really raise the largest funds to help end homelessness in Orange County. Um, and so that's what our giving day is all about. Um, Thomas House was part of the steering committee with Homemade and Families Forward. Um, and our main goal for giving day was really to make sure that all the organizations were successful, not only ours, but to make sure that all the organizations had the resources they needed and for us to really work together. What um, OCCF really observed and what a lot of nonprofits are really observing is that those big donors are really looking to see if the organization that they're giving to is partnering up with other organizations. The reality is one organization can't make a difference. They want to make sure that the organization they're giving to is part of the systemic solution um, to the cause. And so that's why I think our giving day is just so successful is because we have wonderful nonprofit partners that work together, that show that collaboration, that show that partnership. And we're just a persistent group of folks, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, 
really a great day of giving. It's great every year. There is a significant amount of planning that goes on, but like I mentioned, Thomas House is tiny. Um, we don't have a marketing team. It was me and my executive director. It just takes planning, um, picking each other's brains, um, asking questions, and just communicating. So with all that, we almost raised $2 million. So it's it was really Yay. just amazing. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. So that's great. You know, that help. <laughs> yeah. So why okay. don't you? Yeah. So no, no, thanks. So no, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spend a lot of time here. So thank you for giving like kind of the background and how it got started. Mm -hmm. So the Help Them Home OC has been going on now for how many years? Like this specific target area? Four years. Four years. Okay. And um, this was the first uh, year that it had nineteen. So how many people were added over time? Like, what did it start with? And now you're at 19. Oh, I'm not sure what it started with, but the 19 was definitely the largest amount. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. And so just so everybody knows, because we might as well get to the, you know, the, the happy part first. What was your initial goal versus your ending goal? So Rhea, what was yours? So our initial goal was $115,000 okay. and we ended up raising over 150. Nice, okay, great. Uh, Haley? Our initial goal was $20,000 and we ended up raising $31,000, which is double what we raised last year. Yeah. Congrats. Mm -hmm. And Michael? Our uh, official announced goal that we started with was $30,000 um, with our internal goal being uh -huh. hit 50. Right. Um, okay. My personal stretch goal was 60,000 and we raised over $81,000. I actually remember your email that went out. It said like, help us unlock 80. I'm like 80. Yeah. I just, just a couple hours ago, I saw like an email or something on, Instagram that you were at, yeah, the 30. And that was amazing. And so Rhea, earlier you mentioned about it takes time and leading up. And you guys, yes, were all over the place on social media. I, when I went to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I mean, I just kept seeing the Help Them Home OC logo. And that I think that also would, would attribute to the success is that 19 of you were just flooding the system with the same stuff. Would you agree that that was kind of part of what helped the success? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that was a huge factor of what helped the success. And it was through communication between all the organizations to make sure um, that was very purposeful for that to happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah good. good. We, were, we were very lucky that the Orange County Community Foundation did a lot of background work. They put together a whole social media calendar for us. So we, started, I think, posting on April 8th. And then each of our organizations posted, we had different days where we would post countdown days. Um, but we all had like digital assets that were very branded to this cause, which I think helped provide a united front. And then a social media calendar where we were posting, you know, leading up to the event to get people excited. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So let's talk about that calendar. How long were you guys meeting? Because <laughs> I know it wasn't two weeks before. Uh, we started meeting back in February, right? We had, so um, after 
we met with OCCF at the end of last year, and then we actually had our own nonprofit launch meeting in January, just so we could, um, as part of the steering committee, we had to be the liaison to make sure that both sides of expectations were made. So we want, so we had our launch meeting in January to just kind of to give people a heads up, like, hey, start your marketing plan now, um, because if you could start hitting social media on April, that would be the most like elevated experience for your organization. So, so we had a launch meeting on in January. Then we met again in February okay. um, at OCCF, and then we were just constantly communicating. Got it. So, mm -hmm. as uh, so, the steering committee would meet, um, and then from there, you kind of had conversations, and then that would trickle down to the other nineteen. As right, right. Mm -hmm. And Haley, you mentioned that there was, uh, you did have some support. There was OCCF provided a marketing team. So they took care of those um, branded assets, but then you were able to modify them as needed, correct? Yeah, so it was really just the logo. And then um, I know Tom, like they, Thomas House and Pathways did this really well. Um, and I think they did too, as well as like weaving stories into it. So we were able to add, they gave us like stock photos and things like that. But, and we were able to use our own photos as well from our clients because I think that humanizes it a little bit. Um, because stock photos, you can kind of tell sometimes that they're stock photos. And while they are great, um, I think weaving in those stories of who we are and why we do what we do, um, but then keeping that kind of united front of help them homo see with mm -hmm. our own stories. Something that I think the Orange County Community Foundation and the steering committee, our leadership for this fundraiser do really well is setting clear parameters for us and providing lots of tools to assist us without ever being really strict about how those tools are used. So it gives us all the guidance we need and all the support we need to feel like, okay, we know what we're doing and we know where we're going, but we can each bring our own personal brand in for our nonprofit to coincide with the branding that's happening with Help Them Homo C to really create something that I think is is very special because we've got you know everyone united, but we're still individuals. And I just uh, kudos to the yeah. steering committee, OCCF, and that would be my suggestion for anyone who's uh, going forward trying to lead a group of of agencies is to really again provide that support, but also the flexibility that it takes to. Um, to allow 19 different agencies to make a, a, a marketing campaign like this work for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It, definitely there's power in numbers um, because especially in social media, it's all about, it's all about in your face, right? How much you can get stuff in people's face and you guys did a good job at flooding the system with that. So for some people that are listening, they're thinking about next Tuesday, right? Giving Tuesday now. And they're probably going this alone. They're like, oh my God, you guys had a group and a team and a steering committee and three months preparation. Giving Tuesday now kind of jumped kind of jumped on us. But people, there are organizations, especially small ones that are trying to hang on, that are going to give it a go. What do you suggest to them? Like, So if they're going it alone, imagine you had to go it alone. There are still some things that worked for all of you, it, you know, regardless of the group. So taking the group mentality out of it and and the marketing piece, what would you say to those that are doing it alone? Um, to, what should they be thinking about? Anyone who wants to jump in? 
I'll yeah. jump in. Go okay, go for it, Michael. Oh, no, no go ahead, Michael. <laughs> so, um, I would say, first and foremost, find your champions. Um, okay. So, look at what donors, what volunteers, what staff do you have that are going to get excited about a giving day fundraiser. Um, one of the first things we've done in the in the last three years that we've done this, that Pathways has participated in this fundraiser is to look for, we call them Pathways champions. So these are people that we ask one-on-one -on -one individually. It's a not an email blast ask to our supporters, but we make a list and we say, okay, who are our people who are gonna be most excited to share the, the news? And then we do personal asks to those donors and volunteers and staff to say, not, not necessarily would you give, but would you sign up to spread the news? And that soft kind of ask to get involved, it's still a, it's still asking for something definitive, but it's not, you know, this, hey, are you gonna give us money on this day? Um, right. It's will you help us get involved? Because especially with life being the way life is right now, not everyone who was in a position to give before is in a position to give. So it's been really nice for us to be able to say, hey, will you help us and support us simply by sharing the message? Um, yeah. We asked about 140 people with personal asks to be our Pathways champions. And of those, we had about 70 come back and say, yes, I can do this. I'm into it. Um, and to put that in perspective, last year we had 30 people sign up. So an increase from okay. 30 to 70 probably had something to do with yeah. that $1,000 we ultimately got to. Um, and, I love uh, this. Michael, yeah. I love yeah. this idea. It, did you have them sign anything? Did you? No. So how did they just respond back saying yes in an email? What was that, the process? That was it. So um, and we did this primarily by email since it is an online fundraiser. We wanted to kind of keep things online. Plus it's just a faster way to connect with people. So mm -hmm. I individually, I, my uh, volunteer coordinator and myself split up our list and we individually emailed all these people. Um, and um, and we took time to really truly make it an, an individual ask. This wasn't just a, you can't just blast. I mean, you can blast it to people, but I wouldn't recommend it. You know, we, yeah. we opened each email with a personal message to whomever we were reaching out to so that they would know, look, we truly do care about you. We're thinking about you. We miss you. We have this yeah. great remote volunteer opportunity is really what it ends up being a remote volunteer opportunity to help us spread the word. Um, would you like to get involved? If so, just reply. Yes, that was it. So all they just do is reply. Yes. And nice. then if we did that, we'd follow up with more information and and um, and we tried to provide them sort of like what I was saying, the steering committee and OCCF mm -hmm. did such a good job of provide them guidance without dictating how they were going to spread the word. Um, yeah. And we provided them tools to help them uh, post on social media, make phone okay. calls, send text messages, or send emails out that they could modify um, to help us get the word out to their networks. So that could be donors, that could be volunteers, that could yeah. be staff, whoever uh, comes to mind when you think about, you know, who are the people who are going to be most excited to help my agency? Those are your your potential champions. Love it. There, there's social media influencers, but specifically for your organization. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, Rio, you yeah. were going to say something? Yeah, so what we um, typically do, we'd come up with a hot list, similar to what Michael was mentioning. Um, I work primarily with the corporate groups. So what we did, we, um, we kind of split our list into which group are we gonna ask for a match? Matches are gonna be essential in your success. Um, and then which groups are we gonna hit, are we gonna um, reach out to to be 
um, those advocates and those champions for us. And so those were two separate asks that we did. We did the asks for the match first um, with a drafted email that both um, my executive director and myself um, um, sent out to the people who we have a personal relationship for. And then for um, just the people to help us get on social media, we actually came with four opportunities to help. One would be posting on social media. Two would be sending an email to your team. Three would be actually forming a fundraising team or four would be just simply sending out um, a signature line. So you can think about opportunities that, you're, that you think your base would be able to do and just make it easy for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Ease, uh, right? And how easy is it to just like, <laughs> you know, or share? Or I, so I, I love this uh, prepping, right? Was there any um, prepping to uh, your pages in any way? Like, were you, any of you concerned by the, um, like, did you, did you feel like we don't have enough followers at the moment? Or was that irrelevant? I didn't really find that as an issue. Um, I think for, I think I definitely echo what they were saying is leveraging, I mean, giving days, I will say this, giving days are a great way to acquire new donors, um, especially when you do have those fundraising champions. I forget the stats, so don't quote me, but it's like for every fundraising champion, you get three to four new donors. Um, and so it is a great way to like leverage them. But then I think you use those fundraising champions to grow your network because then they're reaching out sharing your information with their networks and then they're starting to like your posts um and we definitely you know i echo what they said about finding those fundraising champions um finding a matching gift and then having people share about that um because we as well looked at our database and who likes our stuff the most we also looked at like our fundraising likes um, we have a pretty intimate group and I know most of the people that like will like our post. So yeah. I just moved out and was like, on these days, can you please just share this post and just equipping them with the uh, skills that they need it. But no, I don't think it was really, it's just catering to your, um, who already likes your post to get them Got excited it. about it. So yeah. it sounds like overall there was a lot of, uh, in terms of prepping, because you didn't have to worry about the marketing and the asset, you know, a lot of the assets were being created. It was really prepping your stakeholders and your constituents and like, hey, this is coming. Uh, don't forget to do these and really laying it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think what was really important um, for us was that we knew that we had to pivot our message during these times, right? Okay. So uh, when we started planning giving day, we were just regular days, fundraising. So we had gimmicks planned. We had all this fun stuff planned. But then when all this happened, we felt like we had to pivot the message. So um, we we went with the Dr. Seuss Dr. Seuss theme because it was just really about that universal talk of hope. And yeah. so I think even if like an organization may not have a following. You, it's going to be organic if you share the right message. You know, is going to see it and they're going to share it. So I think your messaging is going to be really important to make sure it's sensitive to the times going on and letting yeah. people know that you need help. Yes. You can help. 
you know, so that messaging is just really important. And there is a monetary goal in giving day. We always look at giving day as an opportunity to raise our followers. So we have our monetary goal, but then we have our following goal. Because over time, like it's not gonna happen all this giving day, but if you do another giving day next year, you'll have those amount of followers. So just keep that in mind, even though you, an organization may not have a huge monetary goal, but make sure you're keeping track of the outcome of how many followers you required because of that giving day, because that still is, you know, important. Yeah. No, I like it. And I like how you brought up this idea of your focus changed, your pivot changed. Um, did any, Haley, I went to your page and noticed that you kind of broke out donation, like what $16 would do, what $50 would do. Um, did any of, did either of you others have a donation focus and did that help? And did, and how did that pivot due to COVID? So I think, oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I'll just say for us, we originally had it where it was just like our shelter focus, but then we kind of changed it more to prevent people from becoming homeless. And I think tying impact to dollar and making it focused on one individual more than like a larger, um, our organization, you can serve 100 people with this. I think people give to people. So tying it down to those small impactful goals where people feel like they can give back at any level and still make a difference was um, a big um, success for us, as well as, yeah, just pivoting it to communicating, like Rhea said, what your need is, um, and communicating that in a real and honest way, and then breaking it down into impact per dollar. Mm -hmm. um, Rhea mentioned earlier um, the, the matching donations, and I, I think you can't overstate how helpful it is if there's any chance for an agency who's trying to do a giving day on May 5th to really, if you can find a match, go for it because I think it really does help with that sense of urgency and that kind of excitement and magic of a 24 hour fundraiser. Um, so if you can find a match, that's the way to do it. And then to incorporate that into all of your messaging as well, so that people really understand that their donation is doubled. If they give during this certain period of time, it's being matched. That's exciting for people that moves someone to respond as opposed to thinking about maybe responding later. Um, so I think that's both a critical thing to think through when you're strategizing for a giving day. And I also think it's critical with respect to your messaging to always be including your information about your matching donation if you have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like, yes, our giving day, we had 19 organizations get involved, but your giving day or the organization's giving day, those 19 organizations can be your uh, like 15 board members. Mm -hmm you know, doing the same thing. So you can look at it from that perspective as well. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a good yeah. point. I think you all, and and I believe it, and I that's what I've been kind of sharing even in the group. Like, you yeah. know, I did my personal uh, challenge to just invite people to like pages and invite people to mm -hmm. follow because when you do make that ask or when it your content does go out, there's more people that just see it. And yeah. you never know who, who you all are touching. Um, that and I don't know who you all possibly you know could touch because we all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds and um, you know yeah. So I, I love that. So let's talk about that day. So we talked about behind the scenes leading up, but let's talk about that day because I'm sure hour by hour, maybe even sometimes minute by minute, things are exciting. But what what was you're all in development. So I'm sure you're all on like, you know, in your rooms on pins and needles, but um, what goes on on that 
day in terms of how the content goes out, uh, the timing of emails and posts. I mean, there was just so much out there. Talk, let's talk about who wants to start there. I could start. Um, so that day, it's just really important that once you have all your marketing materials set up, you gave the great story like the days before, you know what matches are going to be hit. It's all about timing. Um, just expect that day you're just going to be in front of your computer or pacing around your computer. Um, <laughs> or dancing around it when you yeah. hit your computer. Yeah. You're refreshing the button. You're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that day is just all about celebrating the the little steps and people, you need to keep that in mind because your number at the end may seem big, but you need to celebrate those little steps. So people will want to celebrate with you and continue to give. So that would be my um, advice for the actual day. Just be by your computer and celebrate everything and make sure to have all your preparation in front of you and ready to go at a press of a button. And when you say celebrate little steps, are you also saying celebrate them on on your platforms? Like not yes. just internally, mm -hmm. but like- okay. Oh no, not internally. When, so I'm development, so it's like celebrate the money, the mile, the money <laughs> you get. Or celebrate, oh, you just got a hundred new, like a hundred new followers, you know? Yeah. so. What are those important milestones to your organization? Great. Yeah. I'd like to echo everything Rhea said. She's 100% correct. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will simply add um, that I encourage you to plan for success. Um, I think when we're approaching, uh, you know, your more traditional, maybe gala style fundraiser, in-person event fundraiser, we think about lots of contingency plans for failure or things going wrong, right? Oh, I'm doing an event outside. What if it rains? Can I move it inside? Contingency yeah. plans for things going wrong. With a giving day, you can also really need a contingency plan for when things go really right for you. Yeah. Um, which was our agency's experience uh, when, um, I mean, we, we hoped to blow past our goals, but when we're hitting $30,000 at 11 a.m. and that we'd announced was like our goal for the entire day. And here we've hyped up all, you know, hundreds of our supporters and sent on all yeah. these emails and it's not even noon. What do you do? And so fortunately we had had conversations with other matching donors or potential matching donors. Mm -hmm. So we had planned ahead in the event that we hit our initial goals, you know, so we would have a, a backup option. But even with those backup options, we still wound up scrambling for a third bonus surprise match, you know, the wow. day. Wow. Um, which, you know, shout out to Eastside. Thank you so much for coming through. Yes. Eastside. <laughs> yes. So um, so so plan for success, you know, and and you want to hope for the best for your day. And I think we had a great team who was rocking out a whole day, but we probably could have used another set of hands because there were points where I know we all felt like we needed, uh, you know, yeah. two more arms and a second brain because you're firing out so much messaging. And like Rhea said, you're celebrating when you hit success. You're sending out an email. You're updating your your. Um, page, you're getting on um, social media. So there's a lot to be done throughout the day. It's sort of a, a marathon and a sprint at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, Michael, would, oh, sorry. Oh, really quick, Haley, I just want to ask Michael, did that 80, unlocking the 80,000, did that donor come that day? Um, for which one? I'm sorry. So the, the, when, when you reached the 80,000, you said thank you to Eastside. Was that oh. like a day of ask? So because Eastside, you didn't know you were going to get there? 
Right. So um, Eastside provided a, a $5,000 matching donation so that we could keep donations being matched. So we had okay. we had very generous donors who started off our day with a $15,000 match. Then we had another who said, hey, I want to come in with $10,000. We'd already okay. had conversations beforehand about these. Okay. Um, and then we had already had a conversation with our original matching donors about coming in with a, another 5,000 if, if okay. uh, we had the chance. So we were okay. at the point where we were about to max out our matching donations. And that's when Eastside stepped up. I'm, I'm sorry for being unclear with that earlier. No, it's fine. Um, no, so it's fine. They, I just wanted to know. Yeah, so they came uh, to us um, wanting to keep, keep the ball rolling by providing mm -hmm. an additional match, you know, on top of our other backup matches that we'd already created. But actually what's really impressive um, to me was, so we'd maxed out our matches when we hit $70,000. And um, as critical as I think matches are for keeping the momentum going for something yeah. like this, our donors kept giving. Even though we we're very clear in our messaging, we've maxed out our matches. Thank you so much. We hit 70,000. Can we hit 80? And we just put 80 out there because why not? And people kept giving. So wow. for success, shoot for success. And I, I can you tell I'm still over the moon excited about <laughs> Me too. And just so, so beyond grateful for our donors and volunteers and supporters who made it possible. That's so great. Haley, Haley, go ahead. Sure. Uh, so I will say people love competition. So those matching gifts are definitely important. I mean, I had donors calling me, is this going to go towards a match? Will I be able to like give towards this match? And some people also will wait till the last minute to give because they want to be that last gift um, and make <laughs> you go over whatever goal you have. Because I had a few donors who were like, we're just waiting. And then they gave and then they thought, oh, well, we got oh, we got them the final gift. Um, but I will say behind the scenes, definitely be on call for most of the day. Um, okay. Get volunteers involved. I mean, I had a whole um, group of interns from Cal State Fullerton that were doing all of our social media and we were all on a group text. So if you have volunteers that are equipped to do these sorts of things, um, have them help you so that you can focus on really donor stewardship and reaching out to your donors and asking them for gifts. Um, I would say thank your donors throughout the day, especially um, once you give in a meaningful way. Um, be on call in case any of your donor um, platforms have issues. Um, we had some donors that didn't want to give online, so they were able to donate through checks, and we were able to upload those offline to go towards our goal. Um, and then, yeah, just keep the excitement going. I mean, it was so exciting in the morning, and then we're like, okay, maybe it'll taper off a little bit, but it was like the whole day was just full of excitement. Um, definitely, yeah, I think just be on call, thank your donors, um, and be there in case anyone has any questions or you can help facilitate a donation. I think Haley makes a really good point about many of our donors also wanted to give via check. And so mm -hmm. when you're thinking through what your your giving day looks like, um, plan for that because you don't want to miss out on a donation simply because a donor wants to give in a way that's different from you know whatever platform you've set up for online donations. I would share one more thing, share videos. So either share videos of your clients or yourself. Like I sent a few uh, thank you videos around to our donors, um, as well as like did thank you when we hit different milestones on our Instagram stories and Facebook stories. And so I think sharing that face-to-face, -face, like Rhea said, celebrations, um, put your face out there. People wanna see it, they wanna know what's going on, they wanna be in the loop. Um, and so being able to share 
where the money is going um, because I mean, it is impersonal sometimes in like a message, but if you're um, actually in that virtual face-to-face, yeah, I think that's helpful too. And a lot, sorry, one more. And a lot of the videos you can actually pre-record. So it, like the we, we pre, we, like Michael said, we're setting up, we're planning for success. So we, our whole staff pre-recorded our thank you message, our whole staff uh, pre-recorded reading, you know? And so it was just, that planning is so important. Yes, no, I think that's a good point. And um, depending on the platform you are using, which we'll, we'll go into um, in a little bit, depending on the platform using like Facebook, they actually prefer you when you go live and video. So your content will jump up in the whole algorithm scheme because you're putting that stuff out there. So you want to also leverage the platform that you're, you're on, whether it's Facebook, Instagram. Um, so let's just get into that. What are some tools and what are the platforms you guys focused on? And then what are some tools that you used outside of um, the one that OCCF provided, which I believe is GiveGab, right? That's yeah. for the, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So they get the giving platform where, you know, all the giving had to go through GiveGab. And then they also um, outsourced the marketing, which was probably that did all the marketing um, assets for us. Um, for Thomas House, we, we use Constant Contact, you okay. know, shoot out emails through Constant Contact. We did Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So we used, Hootsuite to just, you know, send out everything at once, you know, um, and Zoom. And that was pretty much it. And I've heard Hootsuite, just so people who don't know, can you explain Hootsuite? Yeah, so Hootsuite is a great um, platform that brings all your social media platforms all together. So you could just write out one message, press a button, and it gets scheduled out to all your different platforms, um, except for Instagram. So I think it does Instagram now. What is it? Oh, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's a really great platform. And just scheduling out all those messages beforehand will also help. Great. Um, Haley, Michael, anything else to add on platforms? Um, no, we used uh, the same tools uh, that Rhea mentioned. I guess I can just add that um, we used a combination of um, footage, you know, videos that we'd shot beforehand and then actual videos that were live the day of to try to keep up that sense of urgency and excitement. Um, and I think that the the live videos or videos that weren't necessarily live, but we had shot on giving day were, were nice touch so that it wasn't all pre-recorded. Um, I think, uh, I think our, our followers appreciated it and uh, we got some a good response. I'll just add um, for any editing tools, um, we use Canva and it's Mm -hmm. super easy to edit your photos and add logos to them or any messaging um, that you want. If I can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) And so I would, and there's, it's free. um, And then you have like limited things that you can do. Um, But if you have your own assets and you have your own logos and your own photos, then you don't really need to pay for the paid version. Okay, thank you. That's good. Um, no, these are all good. I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed with, think you know, people think like, oh, I don't have, I don't have the tools, or I don't have the means or the mechanisms, and a lot of this is free, or it's at your disposal. Um, but you, in order to to gain, you do got to invest, right? So there is um, the amount of investment that it takes, and really quick, Haley, you talked about you had interns. 
Um, the other of you want to share, I mean, are you staff of one, two, three? Like how, how small is your operations? I'll share. Uh, so I'm the development manager and I oversee the volunteer coordinator and the development associate. So there are three of us. And then our executive director, our executive director gets uh, highly involved um, all day uh -huh. on giving day. So that that really helps us out quite a bit. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so it's actually on giving day. It's primarily me and my executive director. We're the only development side. The rest is program side. But we encourage our staff um, to share as much. But we um, since we are smaller, like a lot of organizations, are we really um, use our board, our board director. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think some people who are very small and they're going into this, they're thinking, I'm just one person. Right. Um, I don't have the, the reach, you know, cause I don't have interns or the volunteers. But I think what you just said, Rhea, is you gotta lean on your board. I mean, if mm -hmm. any, if any group that sh should be called to serve in on this day, it's your board. And so engaging them, and I love, uh, I think Michael, you said when it comes to champions, it's hard right now for people to ask for money. It's hard for the thought of reaching out and saying, I know times are tough, but this is where we are to just ask to make a different type of ask, which is like, follow, share, please participate. Right. Yeah. On this is important. Right. I mean, we had people that shared and like they just shared one post and it, people gave and it was you wouldn't even think it was like a random person that shared something, but someone from their network saw it and yeah. they gave. So you never know who you're going to reach by just yeah. sharing one post. Yeah. And so was there any, um, in your messaging and in the things that went out, just curious, did any of you see a specific like uptick in donations after a certain type of post or after a certain type of messaging? Just curious. Like if, because you guys are on the behind the scenes. Ours was really timing. So we um, we looked at historically where has has most of our donors, um, I mean, when most of our donors get, gave, and it was usually timing. It was um, a lot during like that four to seven, like happy oh. hour time, um, okay. a lot during that nine to 10. So we were really strategic in where our messaging was placed during that time. Oh, okay, that's a good point. So the time mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. Makes Historically, for Pathways of Hope, it's been a little different. Our followers tend to be um, more into the early morning. So we had quite a few donations, you know, by the time I woke up. And I mean, I woke up at five in the morning and we already had thousands of dollars raised. So oh it was really exciting. For, for this particular giving day, we had donations coming in throughout the day. So it would be hard, Victoria, to say which specific messaging did it. But I, I um, do think Rhea makes a good point if you're the, the first if this is your first giving day, think through when are your supporters going to be most active and really be heavy handed with your messaging during those hours. And you can, there is Facebook and Instagram analytics um, mm -hmm. that you can look at if you have a Facebook page. Um, so you can just track like when your when your people are looking at your messaging, um, the time of day and things like that, that can help you kind of leverage when you're posting your uh giving day posts. Great, great. Well, thank you. Uh, let's end with any words of wisdom to people that are listening now or going to listen. What what, what last little uh, um, nugget would you give them? I would say that your giving day is only the beginning because mm. 
after you achieve whatever level of success you achieve, you're going to have existing donors. You'll hopefully have some new donors. And now's your chance to really steward them and grow um, long lasting relationships that go beyond simply the 24 hours of an exciting fundraising day. Good point. Very good point. Rhea? Yeah, I would just say um, just people want to give during these days. I know I think our natural instinct is that no one wants to give, but I think it's quite opposite. I think people are looking for places to help. Um, and I think really empathizing on the points that you, for Thomas House, our families are going through the same thing as your families. We need toilet paper and paper towel. We need help with technology. So really empathizing on that, you know, we we're going through the same thing too and that people do want to give so don't be nervous to ask um and also that social capital is just as important as regular capital um that's what i always you know tell myself so like i said if you have a big number and you're nervous you won't get to it look at your followers too because that's going to be equally as important down the road good point thank you Haley. Yeah, I'll echo what both of the, them, uh, both the ladies said. Um, you can't make people's decisions for them. So if you don't ask them, you'll never know if they were going to give in the first place. Um, yeah. And like they said, people want to give. They're just looking for ways to do it. And your organization can help facilitate that by the story you share and what you do as an organization. And I echo what Michael um, said about your journey is just beginning after this giving day. Um, I think you need to celebrate your donors. I think you need to thank them well and make sure that they continue to see the impact that they're making long after this one day of giving. Mm -hmm. So true. I love it. I love this is the beginning because you're right. It's just like an event. Um, you know, after the in-person event, it's not about that event. It's about who your board member invited, who what new people came and cultivating them afterwards. So I love that you you shared that. And uh, and I think you all, the whole campaign itself just proved that people want to give. Oh yeah. Regardless of the times that we're in right now, which I think a lot of us have been sitting with this fear, right? As some of you said, this fear of asking because, oh, it's a bad time. But clearly you all demonstrated that people want to give. Um, so thank you so much. I appreciate all of you coming on and sharing. Um, I thought this was a great, great- One more class uh, for the Health and Homecoming Day. Thanks for going live. Is this, so Haley, I know you've been live, but Michael, Rhea, is this your first time on a Facebook Live? Curious? This was mine, so and it was a great experience. So thank you so much for facilitating it and including me, Victoria. Nice. My first time in this setting, but we usually do Facebook Lives, but it's candid, which is not awesome. Awesome. Well, hang on just for a bit. I'm just gonna we'll say bye to everyone, but then if you guys can hang on for a bit. So thank you. Bye everyone. <laughs>